And now, Taking Care of Business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 217. Our guest today is Hamish Thompson, author of the new book, It's Not Always Right to Be Right. It's an autobiographical account of leadership and personal lessons relating to breakthrough and transformation. As a senior international leader with more than 30 years of corporate experience, Hamish has discovered that true transformation and breakthrough come from personal insight derived not from intellect or technical mastery, but from experience and observation of real-life occurrences. Good morning, Hamish. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning, Shai. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Very excited about this new book of yours, It's Not Always Right to Be Right, and other hard-won leadership lessons. Tell us what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, I'm an interesting individual in that I like new and I like different, but equally, I like to actually be challenged. And I think most people within a business sense uh, are all sort of results-oriented and driven. And probably over the years, and unapologetically, I'm a corporate guy who've been doing this for around 30 years, I have built up a fair bit of insight, observation, and experiences. I've made many mistakes along the way. But as I've gone, I think I have picked up some invaluable lessons, which one, I hope to be able to impart onto others, but equally, I hope to be able to actually unlock potential within others. And I think it may sound a little bit altruistic, but as you sort of get into your sort of latter stages of your career, I think you start thinking around others ahead of yourself. So that's the intention. I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's been different from my sort of corporate environment, my startup world, but it has been very enjoyable. Yeah. And one thing I thought was such an interesting approach is your book is really collaborative. It's not just a summary of maybe the wisdom and insights that you've gained, but it, it brings others along for the ride that have influenced you. You had a lot of contributing authors. Tell us a little bit about that and how you were thinking about it. Yeah, I've always been one who've loved, I suppose, challenge and provocation against my way of thinking. And I'm what I would describe as an insanely curious person. I love perspective. And I think being the typical sort of CEO, I am ego-driven. And uh, often we think that our opinions are 100% right. So I like the idea of getting additional experts to come in from all different fields and challenge my way of thinking. Undeniably, I think that what I believe is right at this point of time, it will change over time. And I actually like that because it shows I'm open to new ideas and new perspectives. From a reader perspective, I think it does break things up a little bit. It gives a totally different fresh insight and fresh eyes to some of these concepts uh, that I hold true. And I have selected these people, uh, presidents of different companies, they're consultants, they're lawyers, they're entrepreneurs, startup leads, agency heads as well. So I think it captures diversity of thought, but most importantly from my side, I think it challenges some of my perceptions, which uh, I know will change over time. It's really fascinating, and I love the way that you've organized the book, and it really introduces us to some new terms and concepts and reframes some things that I just hadn't thought about. So I think it's really provocative in that way. One of the terms you introduce us to is this idea of drains and radiators, and I really like the way you put that together. Tell us what that means to you in your own words and why it's relevant. 
I think it's relevant in regard to both personal and also business. And uh, you guys know it very well. We're surrounded by almost two types of people in simplicity and those who are drains and they almost sort of suck the lifeblood out of possibility. They always have limiting beliefs that are the half glass full. And it's okay to have drain moments, but there is nothing worse than from a leadership perspective on the business on any size and scale of having drains within your business. It's, they radiate negativity right across the entire organization. And no matter how functionally or technically strong they are, it actually can be a very adverse impact on the culture and can-do attitude. Now, a radiator, on the other hand, does exactly what they say they do. They're infectious, they're full of ambition, can-do, positive attitude, and they radiate energy wider. Now, that does not mean that you have to be a Pollyanna and believe in everything. A good radiator can still be a challenger, a provocateur, a sort of CFO finance, sort of hard sort of decision-making and challenge. And it's interesting on that and throughout the book of I'm one who detests theory without substance and uh, I've developed a lot of sort of models and frameworks along the way. And even just the way you recruit into the business, I used to always recruit for technical and functional skills and all your listeners will know that if you can get somebody who's very curious, very passionate and willing to learn, that can often trump experience. I've got a concept called C plus W is greater than E. Curiosity and willingness is greater than experience. And when you get the right radiators into a business, it just makes your life so much easier. And equally, you have to move quickly within removing drains. And I've done that a little bit too slowly within my career. So by uh, having my time again and nowadays, I remove drains very quickly within the business and the difference it makes on morale, culture, attitude, stretch and ambition is, uh, has been significant. So that's the concept behind that one. Yeah, and it's so interesting to see how you've learned over time, right? And, and so now you're able to make those decisions much quicker. And, you know, it's, it's this whole thing, like it's not always right to be right. I always felt that like the cost of being wrong is small early, right? Like it increases with time. So it's almost like getting rid of those drains. As soon as you can acknowledge it, the quicker you can get rid of them, the less costly a decision. Yeah, and I think it's also uh, time and time again, it's better for them as well. Now, I'm a firm believer that cultures are different and organizations are different. And if your value set or your way of working and your style is not right for an organization, it doesn't mean that it is right or it is wrong. It's just that it's different. And that's the marriage made in heaven when you get that blend of your values working 100% in line with the organization that you're part of. I do like your concept when you say that about cost of being wrong is try and do that early. I think that the cost of being wrong, either early or late, it will always happen, but as long as you learn and take insight from it. And one thing that I've noticed on a number of leaders, and I have been guilty of this in my past as well, we're very self-aware around some of our limitations, but fortunately, there's a big difference between being self-aware and self-develop. So a lot of our weaknesses in regard to the way we recruit people, the way we manage our leadership style, we may be aware of our shortfalls, but unless you do something with it and are actually in some ways very process-driven to close that gap, then you need to actually follow that with self-development. But it's a weakness for a number of leaders at all levels. 
Hamish, you've spent a lot of time around the world with some great worldwide organizations and leadership positions. In your travels and in your interactions with other great leaders around the world, what have you found to be some of the myths that make great leaders? Yeah, it's interesting, Craig, isn't it? Because I don't think there's one set type of leadership model or, or leadership brand that uh, that comes through. And I think one of the, the biggest myths, and I've seen this within the last few years, I've been heavily involved in the startup world, and it's totally different in many senses to sort of big multinationals. But realistically, one of the biggest issues and myths that I've seen Leaders think they need to be right and need to be right all the time. And I was guilty of this, undeniably. Every time I'd have a transaction or an interaction with uh, with another, I was very competitive, very results-driven, and I always thought that to be a winner and I always thought that to be a loser. And it was almost like intellectual sparring. And I was quite good at it. I enjoyed it in many senses, but when I sort of step back, and I think this is, that is a massive myth, you, one, you see that you restrict entirely new ideas and thought diversity comes in because you think your way is the right way. So the great leaders at all levels are those who I believe value the opinions of others ahead of themselves. And yes, there's a decision-making hierarchy that you need to make. But it actually is so restrictive of great breakthrough ideas when you think you're always right. And the other thing that I noticed very quickly, unless you develop stage two and stage three relationships, enduring relationships with other parties who you deal with, you'll never get breakthrough. And breakthrough to me only comes about when you have a relationship that's based on depth and quality of trust in that relationship. And that's when the breakthrough happened. All the guards are down. You're trusting each other. You're entering dialogue to really get a transformation coming forward. And that doesn't happen when you think you're right all the time. And probably the last one about when you're right, those people who work for you, they can't be buggered to actually get in the debate with you. They almost resign to inertia. They know where they always lose. And it stops the potential and unlocking of uh, growth within that individual. And that was the one that really sort of hit me mostly as a leader, thinking, gee, I, uh, I need to stop being right and actually let others shine and develop ahead of uh, being sort of a bit sort of egocentric and, uh, and one-dimensional and about myself before others. So that's probably the biggest myth that I've seen, Craig. It's challenging out there to be a leader, but yet we have so many different inputs on what that is. And so I really appreciate your time and insight based on so many years of real world experiences. One of the things that uh, in reading your book that came to mind and Shy and I as pilots, we come into this quite often in our trainings and the element of being behind the plane. And that means having everything happening and you're really not caught up with it, you're not with it, you're not able to address issues as they're coming because they're coming quite quickly. And always maintaining to be ahead of the aircraft, anticipating forward. What are you finding and what have you found in the past is some of the things to be aware of and how to maintain being ahead of the what's happening or what's coming next? I do like that term uh, behind the plane. I think my simplicity of it is it's so easy to get immersed within the business as opposed to being on top of the business. 
So everyone's got different techniques for staying ahead of that curve. And I think the best way that I've heard it described to me is you don't need to lose to learn, but it sure helps. And I really like that aspect because when you do lose or you fail, and we should be embracing failure, you scrutinize, you analyze, you dig deep, and you really uncover key insight to make yourself uh, better. But the question is, how do you stay ahead of that curve and how can you do that without actually uh, needing to lose on the way? And I think that the key element is, how do you start thinking future-oriented, but you need to start doing that today? And in particular, how do you invest ahead of capabilities and competencies that are needed tomorrow, but do so today? And it's just a mindset where you need to sit back and start thinking, what are my future revenue opportunities? What are my profit sources? Where will my customer base be? Where will my consumer base be? What are those enablers that are needed within three to five years' time? And equally, what are those cultural drivers and behaviours that are important and will only grow in importance going forward? And one thing that I find majority of leadership teams, they have a transactional agenda as opposed to a transformational gender. And the importance of carving out time to allow yourself that opportunity to be forward thinking, to fix things before they're broken, getting ahead of the curve, setting your own agenda is absolutely key. Now, unfortunately, for all business sizes, you get immersed within that operational detail. So I think stepping back and allowing yourself to do that. And there are formats and I've got various models that actually talk around that. And one, you talked around the myth before, one of the myths that I have seen, and I used to think this, was that process slowed down agility and pace within a business sense. Process to me is one of the massive enablers of freedom and autonomy that allows pace and agility. It stops distraction, provides frameworks and guidelines for you to follow. So when you have a good process in place, it allows you to actually step back and be a lot more risk-taking than uh, an entrepreneur in the past. And surprisingly, all those outstanding businesses, even you know, we think they're very mavericks, they may be creative within thought and discipline, but they are very process-oriented for those people around them. Yeah, I agree. Again, the airplane analogy of autopilot. The more you can get your business running on autopilot, totally agree. It allows you so much more freedom to be able to really focus on tomorrow's requirements and what's really important at the moment and for the future. So that's fantastic. One of the things that comes to mind, though, is this balance side. And for leaders, some get it right, some get it wrong, and what is right. So in your book, you have balance matters. Tell me a little bit more from your perspective what that means. Yeah, I think everyone views this slightly differently. Um, I've always termed it a life-work balance as opposed to work-life balance. And probably for many of your listeners who are business owners themselves, that can be a really tricky thing to navigate. Paul Polman, who's the ex-CEO of Unilever, he always used to talk around that and that the concept of to be excellent within business or to have business excellence, you need to have excellence within life. And I've found that when you have this balance and this uh, diversity beyond just work, 
and be that within health, diet, financial, spirituality, whatever it is for you individually, things happen so much easier and your mindset is so much more balanced and composed when you are within a work setting. Now, that doesn't work for everyone and everyone's got their own trigger points and there's different models you can go through to find out what is your correct balance. Time and time again, I've seen so many people, including myself, you get out of balance and you are far from your best in regard as a leader of yourself, but also as a leader of others. So the importance of that, I think, is absolutely key. And probably linked to that is this you know, concept, a lot of people, I know it's a cliche and a buzzword around authenticity. I used to be two different Hamishes, one very much at work and one very much uh, personal. And it was tiring. It was a disingenuous uh, in many senses, but it never got the best out of me. And I always almost tried to be the executive and the leader and the uh, the associate that I thought other people wanted me to be. And it was only when I stepped back and thought, this is what really energizes me from my own leadership style. It's natural. It's got warts and weaknesses, as we all do. But as soon as I started within that, it just made life so much easier. And like 99% of people, when you are 100% authentic, you get the best out of yourself definitely the best out of others. And it uh, really helps, obviously, in regard to trust and uh, depth of relationship with others as well. It was interesting, those 17 contributing authors that I've got, undeniably, every single one of them, I would say, is probably 100% authentic. It's the type of people I gravitate to and I think successful businesses associate with as well. Hamish, in chapter eight of your book, there's a discussion about bad bosses. And it's kind of not intuitive. You say bad bosses are great bosses. And I'm wondering from a business owner's perspective, what can we learn about that? I think the reality is that everyone has different styles in regard to leadership and management. And my experience over many years is that uh, even those bosses who you don't think you're getting a lot out of at the time. It's incredible the insights that you can garner from everyone. So one, you can ingrain their behavior and never to repeat it. But equally, there's always context behind another person's actions. So I think looking for that, specifically that context and how to sort of impart it on your own style is important. But I think that the real benefit, hopefully, behind that is I've had a view, which is slightly different from others, is that the very best leaders are those leaders who are respected, but also liked. And respect is a given within the business world and uh, all business owners. You have to have that. If you don't have it, you won't have crucial conversations. There will be a degree of complacency going forward within the business and you won't get the best out of people. So respect is a given. But over the years, I asked myself, who is it that I actually stepped up and walked over coals for and did things way ahead of my job description? And it was always those leaders who I respected, but I also liked. And it's something that I've tried to ingrain within my own leadership style. And people, when they genuinely like and respect somebody, one, you'll get more out of them going forward. Two, it's just so much more enjoyable, within, particularly within a small business environment, to have a team that's got a cohesive and a friendly nature. 
And also, when you do like someone, you will have crucial conversations. You'll talk around development opportunities and weaknesses, not from a position of hierarchy, but you'll do it from a position of genuine care on wanting to help grow and develop that people. And then the other one, which is an interesting that I was told through one of the contributing authors, a great entrepreneur from Singapore, actually said it's the great leaders who will walk over coals for their people. And it just suddenly put a different frame on that, that as a leader, it's not around getting people to necessarily love you. It's around getting people to really thrive and enjoy what they do. And we've all seen with experience when people unlock their own potential, they can do very special and extraordinary things. So even bad bosses can be great bosses, uh, but to me, the best bosses are those ones that are liked and respected. Hamish, in looking at tomorrow, as far as leadership, um, what are some of the ingredients you feel are going to be predominant and needed for tomorrow's leaders? I think probably the very first element that's talked around a, a fair bit within modern research is that uh, term of capability of empathy. And it may sound a soft word, but empathy and care and compassion is increasingly important within uh, the business world. It goes back to that concept about being liked and respected, but it's just what good people do and exceptional leaders do as well. I also think uh, those leaders who are very consistent in regard to values. I read a very good article the other day. said, what is worse for a politician? Is it about lying or is it about uh, being a hypocrite? And there was a long philosophical debate against that. But those leaders who are very consistent in regard to their actions and beliefs, i.e. non-hypocritical, um, those are the ones that I think shine very clearly. And probably the, the third one, it's interesting, I'm mentioning no technical or functional or strategic skills. Those to me are important, but not the game changers. The great leaders at the moment, they deliver both purpose and also passion. And there's a great saying that talks around performance without purpose is meaningless and purpose without performance is impossible. So it's great to have an amazing purpose, but unless you are very professional, very effective within what you deliver, your reach is always going to be limited. So the empathy, consistency of values and delivering both purpose and performance, I think are are three outstanding ingredients for leaders. Hamish, we want to thank you again for speaking with us today. We really learned a lot about your new book and, and your philosophy, and it's just been great having you. Thank you very much. I've uh, enjoyed it greatly. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? No, I think the only other element is around, I mentioned before, about being insanely curious. And I was uh, told at a very early age, and I think it's applicable to everyone, came from a chap called Samson Suen from Asia Pacific, a boss. And he said, Hamish, your mind works best like a parachute, best when open. And uh, I just really like that uh, perspective on us. But I'd encourage uh, all the readers and all the listeners, if they'd like to find out more details, it's all within the book. It's not always right to be right. Get them to jump on Amazon.com and uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or any of the other social media networks that are uh, based on there. But uh, I've enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you. Our guest today has been Hamish Thompson, author of the new book, It's not always right to be right, and other hard-won leadership lessons. 
It's an autobiographical account of leadership and personal lessons relating to breakthrough and transformation. You can learn more about Hamish as well as find links to his content and book all on our website at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.